Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you after uh, taking a week off from the podcast. Good morning. Did we take a week off? We took. <laughs> uh, yes, we took a week off. I was out of town, and uh, we just couldn't work it out in a way that we could do the podcast while I was out of town. So, um, right. yeah, the weeks are, the weeks are running together. This is that time of year where it's fall. Uh, it, the, the humidity has finally uh, uh, dropped a little bit here in Florida. We've gone from 98 to 90% or something like that. But this is the time of year that goes so fast because now we're entering the holiday season. Right. Halloween in about a week and then Thanksgiving and Christmas. The whole year seems to just accelerate and go by so quickly and everybody's going to be busy. And um, yeah, this is, that, this is that time of year. But, and, it's, and it's dark again. Um, yeah. Dark in the morning, dark in the evening. Yeah. So, Four days. All is here. So today so, we are going to start a, a series. We're going to do a, a four-part series um, because, you know, we talk about, there's a few topics that we talk about repeatedly on the podcast. And, um, you know, we, we talk about parenting, we talk about kids at school, and, and we talk about, a, you know, relationships and all kinds of mental health things. But one of the recurring topics that we talk about is, is managing children's behavior. Um, whether it's at home or at school. And it's because, my goodness, we get this question from patients and families and teachers and schools very frequently, you know, how do you manage this behavior or that behavior? And, and invariably, it always comes back to punishment. Yeah. And so we're going to do this series on punishment over the next few weeks. Right. And we, we want to take this topic on because not only is it one of the most frequently discussed topics that we have, you know, parents go, how do, what should I do? How should I respond? Um, but we want to discuss punishment because most of it are doing, most of us, and when I say us, I mean parents and teachers, uh, homes and schools, in most homes and schools, punishment is being done incorrectly. Um, we talk about discipline, but Usually we're talking about punishment. We talk about consequences, but we're really talking about punishment. I mean, that's what parents want. Um, parents and teachers typically request better and more effective ways to control their children, to change their children's behavior. And there is this, there seems to be some confusion over discipline and punishment. And, and we want to talk a little bit about that because it's an important distinction but it's muddied, this, this distinction between discipline and punishment has been muddied, and we want to clarify some of that, okay? Absolutely. So we want to begin with three kind of fundamental definitions. We want to define them so that as we talk about punishment, discipline, and consequences, we're all using, we're using the terms in the same way. Absolutely. And, and you, you use those three words, um, discipline, punishment, and consequences. And, and a lot of times people will use them almost synonymously. Um, yeah, right. You know, when you, oh, I have to, you know, I have to discipline, I had to discipline my kid mm -hmm. or my students today or my, my child today. And, and invariably they're talking about they had to punish them. Right. Right. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think it's important that we, we differentiate these from a, from a definition perspective. And so, so it's clear what we're talking about because, well, we could just start with discipline. You know, discipline right. is, has to do with educating. Discipline has to do with um, training people or teaching people what is expected, what is not expected, or how to do something. We, when we talk about college, 
we call, talk about disciplines um, in college of, of what discipline do you follow, meaning what training system do you follow or what you know, theoretical perspective do you follow? Right. We're not talking about discipline from a, you know, the way that it's often used with punishment. We're talking about learning and, and training and understanding. But, the, but, and that's a, that's a different, we're, we're going we're gonna to have to talk about that later. That's right. the other definition that you and I have used way back since we wrote the handbook, we talk about discipline that way. But the dictionary definition of discipline, which is I think how most people use it, mm -hmm. they're using the dictionary definition, which is training people to obey rules or a code of conduct or a code of behavior mm -hmm. using punishment to correct disobedience. So when most people say, you need discipline, I'm going to discipline, what's the, it's to make, it's to train people to obey the rules. That's the kind of thing we see in armies and sports teams. Right. Um, last week, I know you don't watch American football, but there was a big deal in last week's uh, games where Tennessee beat Alabama, which right. was, was a shock to everybody. And one of the issues that was brought up was the number of penalties that Alabama had. And they're the most penalized team in the country, which, and so everybody says they are not disciplined. They don't have enough discipline, okay? And so um, that's how armies and sports teams use the term. They use this dictionary definition. But there's another definition of, of discipline that you and I talk about and that we're going to talk about in subsequent weeks, in the weeks that we're, we're talking about a very different kind of discipline. Punishment, I like this definition, but again, this is a kind of a dictionary definition, instills a penalty for an offense. Right. And that's about paying the price for your mistakes. Right. And that's typically what we're, we're concerned about is that definition of punishment. And of course, but consequences, parents say, well, we have to have consequences. Right. <laughs> well, again, when you say that, do you mean we have to have punishment? Mm -hmm. Because a consequence is simply the result or the effect of an action. So the child does something, and then how do you respond to that something? Right. Your response is a consequence. Right. But it's not necessarily a punishment. Right. But yet, so one of the first things we want to say is these three terms are technically, I mean, the dictionary definitions might make them synonymous, but we have to separate these three things and use the terms more precisely. And that's one of the things we want to do in the series is use these terms with more precision. Right. Because they, they all mean something different than, what, than the way that we use them from a, from a, from a psychological, from a, a, a parenting, from a, even from a behavioralist uh, perspective. They mm -hmm. all mean something different than the way that we just define them. Right. Um, they don't. You know, we can we'll talk about punishment later and what, what punishment really means and the way that it was meant when it was first described as a method for um, shaping and controlling behavior. Um, it was meant very differently. But so in this uh, podcast, we're going to focus on punishment and we're going to focus on, you know, just the reality that we live in a culture of punishment. I, I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday that. Um, you know, so they, they asked me if I believe in the death penalty. And I, and I mm -hmm. said, no. And they said, well, well, how could you not believe in the death penalty? I said, what 
what does it do for us? What does it benefit us? Um, you know, if they, they say, oh, well, you know, the putting somebody on death row that, and, and, you know, putting them, um, sentencing them to the death penalty, that will deter other people from, from doing that. Well, it doesn't um, because we still have death row. We, we've had it for a very long time. We're one of the only um, civilized countries uh, or, or westernized countries in the world that still has, right. that we still puts its citizens to death for, as a penalty. Um, but we, as, you know, as a culture, as um America is is very punishment focused. Right. We spend a lot of time focusing and thinking about how to punish people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do. And, you know, capital punishment is one example. You know, in 31 states, it's still okay. It wasn't until 2005 that the Supreme Court formally banned the execution of juveniles. Right. You know, over 400 children were executed for crimes prior to 2005, since 2005, it's decided that we wouldn't execute juveniles, which is, uh, people people are always shocked when they hear that. Right. Um, there are only a handful of countries <clears throat> that execute more citizens in the United States, and those countries are China, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iraq, and Iran. Those are the only countries that execute more people than we do. So we're not in very good company when it comes to capital punishment. But the biggest thing is it doesn't work. You know, it's not a deterrent. We have more crime than we have as much or more crime as any other country in the world. Right. Right. In the 1970s, there was a whole political movement in this country. We're going to get tough on crime. Right. Well, longer prison sentence, more prison sentence. What happens? The prisons filled up and it turned into a fiasco. Our, right. our prisons are overflowing. We have more. We have more people. There are more people incarcerated here than any country in the world, as far as we know. I mean, there are countries who don't report this stuff, but we have prisons that are absolutely full right. and crime keeps increasing. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's so it's not a people say, what's a deterrent? No, it's not a deterrent. Right. Yeah. So it, it, if it's not a deterrent, then, then why are we using it? And, and what, right. people, you know, there, there are some common reasons why people use punishment too. To, to instill fear, uh, of mm -hmm. course, and to make someone obedient and, um, you know, show them who's in charge and, you know, to, to sort of exert that as authority. Um, but, but, but it's also, you know, in, in many ways is to gain loyalty, right? right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You so, punish, you punish like um, a football coach will use discipline to get the team working together. They'll use punishment. They'll run laps or run sprints or do push-ups and all those things that people do. Um, during the Revolutionary War, George Washington had a few people executed um, for desertion. And it sent a message <clears throat> that you need to be loyal. You need to be obedient. And if you're not, there are some dire consequences here. So why do we punish? Well, one is to instill fear, gain loyalty, to make somebody obedient. It's also, as you said, to let people know who's in charge. I'm the decision maker. I will make the decisions here. And the last one is to set an example. I'm going to punish you so that other people will do what I want them to do. Um, that's an argument that's used in schools all the time. Um, we've had this discussion with principals who will say, I don't like doing this, but if I don't make an example of somebody, mm -hmm. the other students won't take it seriously, right? So 
there's a bunch of reasons why we reach for punishment. And we understand that. And we understand why people do it. And we understand why people are using punishment. But one of the things we want to do in this series is let's rethink this whole issue, okay? Um, we live in a country that values punishment, that, that, um, that um, advocates punishment. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's time to stop for a moment and say, is this the best way to proceed? So on the one hand, we say, why punish? The next question is, why do we punish children? We punish children for the same reasons. Right. For all these to instill fear, loyalty, compliance, obedience. Right. Yeah, right. And, and now we certainly don't blame parents. No, 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 no. The teachers thought that they that they punish because, you know, by and large, we've been taught that, exactly. that punishment is necessary, mm -hmm. you know, from the, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child to the, um, well, you, you have to accept the, the consequences, you do the, you know, do the mm -hmm. crime, do the time. You know, we have all of these slogans that really support the idea that, well, if somebody does something they shouldn't do, then you need to punish them for it. That's um, right, yeah. And, and the idea that, well, if you inflict enough pain and discomfort to the person, then the behavior will stop. That's right. And we, we really believe, I mean, people truly believe that. And I love the argument that people will have. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I would have never gotten away with that because, you know, my, my parents would have would have spanked me or would have um, whooped mm -hmm. me or something. And you say, well, you know, were there things that you did that your parents spanked you for? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, how many times did they spank you? Oh, man, I got spankings all the time. <laughs> well, think about that for just a moment. Just don't a moment. talk like this when I have a mouthful of coffee. I'm just <laughs> spraying it. It's true. What you're right. saying is true. Wait, they, they, well, no, it was so effective. I had to get spankings all the time. That was right. why it was so effective. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. And, right. and so, because if it was effective, then it would only have to have happened once, maybe twice, you know, and, and then from then on, it would just be the idea of it would have deterred the behavior, but it, but it doesn't typically. Right. And I'm, and I'm glad you said, we're not blaming anybody. We're not blaming parents and teachers. We're, we're not, we're not being critical here. We're just saying it, this isn't your fault. I mean, religions teach that it's your fault. Uh, society says, well, if your child, you know, Think of that kid having a temper tantrum in the grocery store. Who gets blamed for that? Right. The parent. You know, that it's your fault if your child is misbehaving. So parents know that people are going to criticize them if their child is misbehaving. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure. There's religious pressure, spare the rod, spoil the child. There's social pressure, school pressure. What do kids do if kids misbehave enough in school? They're sent back home. To sent to their parents, so it's a parent problem. So we're, we are acutely aware right. that we are expected to do something to keep our kids in mind so that they don't embarrass or misbehave in public. So there's a lot of pressure. And also there's this idea that if I find just the right punishment, I will stop this behavior in its tracks. Either <laughs> I'll take her cell phone. Yeah. What's that about? It's the most painful thing I can do. So if I can hurt you enough, this behavior will stop. And, but, and we believe that. People believe if I find just, they come to us and say, How, what can I use that's more effective? And right. What they're asking is, what punishment can I give? Right. And, and we're all kind of caught in this punishment cycle. And that's part of what we want to talk about and maybe 
um, rethink and reanalyze and reframe this whole discussion about punishment. Absolutely, because the reality is, is that punishment, the way that it's typically used at home and at school and everything, it is neither effective nor, nor efficient, right. really, mm-hmm. you know? It's, we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy right. uh, focused on punishments and, and how to uh, apply the appropriate punishment in the appropriate situations. And we get mm-hmm. things like the code of conduct and right. we get these ideas of, um, well, if you do this, then this should happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we, when we look at punishment again, the, I, the reality is that it doesn't consistently and reliably over time change behavior. Right. Um, again, talking to another family um, earlier this week, we were talking, the, the, the stepdad happened to um, sort of in passing say, yeah, well, you know, if he gets in trouble, um, you know, he'll get a spanking or something. And then um, he typically doesn't do it again. And then it, it sounded like, okay, that's, that's, that's good. But then he kind of let it slide that as long as there's not a parent around. <laughs> So as long as the punisher is around, he doesn't do the behavior. But as soon as the punisher is removed, everybody acknowledges that he, he's likely to do it, do the behavior again. That's right. So he's not really learning not to do it. He's just learning. He's just getting smarter as to when to do it. Exactly. Right. Okay, I can do it as long as I don't get caught. Right. Right. And you're right. There, it's, we have to begin by saying punishment is neither effective nor efficient. It's just not a good way to do this. Also, punishment and age are, we we say, inversely related. What does that mean? At very young ages, punishment might be more effective. But the older a child gets, the less effective punishment becomes. So you can punish a four or five-year-old, and you might get away with it. If you try to punish a 15 or 16-year-old, it's a bit of a deeper, it's a steeper climb. And, and so think of it as a pyramid where, you know, when kids are young, you can use, you can be a little more punitive. As they get older, you have to use less and less punishment. You need to rely on other things. We're going to talk about that in subsequent weeks. Right. Um, the other thing is, is that punishment, and Bernie, I've heard you say this in, in workshops and things, it has to be immediate and consistent. Right. And I think that's a really important message because most parents and teachers are neither, right? It's not that you, it's, you can't be either one of those things. You can't always be there to see the misbehavior. And so what happens is when you punish kids on occasion, mostly what you're going to get is some resentment. You might get obedience. You're going to get resentment. But the other thing is if you're the punisher as kids get older, they simply learn ways to evade and to deceive you. Right. They, they learn how to lie better. They learn how to sneak. They learn how to get away with it to avoid the punishment. You haven't changed the behavior. Right. You've simply made kids, you've set up a situation where kids become better at evading and deceiving. Right. It, it's, it, we, we often relate it to the example of speeding, right? Yeah, we, right. Most right. people, again, let's just be honest, most people, exceed the speed limit when driving, especially on a highway or interstate or something like that, um, until there's a cop around. And if they see a law enforcement officer, everybody, you can see the the brake lights, you know, a mile ahead of you. And you know that, okay, well, there may be a speed trap or there may be something going on up there. And sure enough, you get there and there's a police officer. And so everybody is slowing down to, 
oftentimes even below the speed limit, right? right. Um, but then as soon as that police officer is out of sight, everybody's at you know max speed again. Right. We'll never get to a place where people, where nobody speeds because there's no way, the only reason that we, the only way that we enforce it right now is through um, punishment, through getting a ticket or something right. like that. And so unless there's a police officer constantly present, we're never going to be at a point where nobody speeds. Right. It's right. just it's just that's just the way that punishment works. If the punisher's not there, the behavior is likely to recur. Right. Yeah. And then there's a second problem. So it has to be immediate and consistent. We can't be either. But there's a second problem. You and I call this the 80-20 problem. Right. Yeah. Most kids, probably 80%, respond to what we call grandma's rule. Grandma's rule is if you clean your plate, you get dessert. It's an right. if-then problem. And most 80% of kids are going to do that. They, they, they get up in the morning and they get ready for school. They may grumble a little bit, but by and large, they do everything we ask them to do because they respond to this simple form of if-then. If you do what we ask, you get rewarded. If you don't get what, if you don't do what we ask, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna inflict a little pain, you know, emotional or physical. But most kids respond to that. I mean, but about one in four don't. And every once in a while, you you'll have a family where there'll be five or six kids. Everybody's doing fine, but one of them is struggling. Okay, right. that's that. 20% that we're talking about. Right. There are some kids who no matter what you do, they don't do it. Right. And parents come in all the time. I've tried everything. I've done this and I've done timeout and I've paddled and I've taken her phone. I've done nothing works. Well, when when that happens, you're you probably are raising one of those kids who falls in that 20%. Right. And for that group, Ross Green said it so eloquently. He said, you don't need more punishment. You need a new plan. Right. Okay. Because these kids, for some kids, the, this reward and punish system that seems so logical and works so well with most kids simply doesn't work with right. this group of kids. Right. Yeah. Four, four out of five or about 80% of kids, they don't, they don't need punishments. They don't. No. You know, kids who, you know, when parents say, well, you know, my parents, spanked me when I was a kid and, and I turned out okay, you probably would have turned out okay anyways. You probably didn't need to be spanked to, in order to turn out okay. Um, and that, that's 80% of us. Right. Yeah, that, that one in five or so, that 20% that um, because there's some mental health concerns, because there's some other um, emotional or physical or social issue that's, that's you know, at, at root there, that's that's what's driving that behavior and you you can't punish that out of them you know no. that that's, there's those situations where parents you know are pulling their hair out because nothing that they're trying is working and like you said it's just when you need a new plan you don't need to keep punishing you need just need a new plan right right and um and you need to keep that in mind that that and and we in our business all of us every, i think every therapist who works with families will say yes uh, we always have a family where one kid just doesn't respond. Uh, they may be smoking weed or cigarettes or not doing homework or failing in school. 
but they just don't respond. It doesn't matter what teachers do. It doesn't matter if they fail. It doesn't matter if they don't graduate. It just, these rewards and punishments just don't work. They do work with most kids. Right. They don't work with all kids. Okay. So, so knowing this about punishment, um, knowing that it's not really effective, knowing that we just teach kids how to become deceptive. Um, so what gets parents to punish? What gets us? parents and teachers, school administrators, uh, prison wardens, uh, army generals, what gets us to punishment? Well, when it comes to children, when it comes to parents, one of the first things, one of the first reasons is we tend to catastrophize. Right. All right. We're, we're so fearful. Parent, most parents are fearful that once they see a behavioral misstep, doesn't matter what it is, um, that somehow this is the beginning of the end. Right. Okay. And, and the problem is it recurs throughout life right. that as kids develop, <laughs> there's always a time when parents say, oh my God, this is the beginning of the end. I'm losing right. control. Okay. Right. It begins with infancy. Kids begin crying at night. Right. And, oh, I don't want to spoil much. If I go in and pick them up, I'm going to spoil them. And I'm, I'm, I'm always going to have to do that. That's right. catastrophizing. Right. And then it happens again when they're two and they're saying no, and they're having their temper tantrums. It's like, oh, no, I, I have to punish I have to regain much. control. <laughs> right. And then and then in puberty again. And then it's just over and over and over again. There are periods in development where kids resist. Right. That's what they're supposed to do. That's that's how they develop mm-hmm. their identity and build independence and, and, and self-reliance. But we as parents tend to, like you said, catastrophize to the point where we see this as, OK, this is the road to prison, because if we don't if we don't right. do something about it now, you know, I'm going to completely lose control and then they're going to be selling drugs out of the house or something. I don't know. I don't, know I don't what... mean to laugh, but it's really true. I mean, you it does take drug use. You know, kids will experiment with drugs and alcohol. It's kind of a normal, most kids, not all. There are kids that don't. Most kids are going to experiment. So the first time a parent finds out that, oh my God, my child's smoking marijuana. We need to the send next thing is The next thing is going to become a meth addict. Well, right. no, no. The overwhelming majority of kids never go on to anything more than marijuana. Right. And usually they stop smoking marijuana. Right. And, and we're certainly not saying just ignore it. It'll be no. fine. Don't worry about it. Of course, you want to do something about it. But right. again, avoiding that catastrophizing that where you're going from, you know, okay, he's, he's smoked pot last night. We need to send him to a three-month detox um, center. Or, so that he, you know. Or I found out that he smoked weed last night. So I'm going to put him on restriction for a month and take his cell phone. You know, it probably doesn't require that kind of harsh punishment because, um, as we said, it's probably not going to work. Right. And all you're going to do is drive the kid out of the house so he'll smoke weed when he's not with you and not when you're around and you won't know about it. Right. Right. And so so whether it's an infant who's crying, uh, a two-year-old who's saying no, um, uh, an adolescent who is sort of breaking away from you, you know, trying to develop their independence. Don't panic. Do not hit the panic button. 
Um, this isn't the beginning of the end. They're not going to end up in jail. What did you say? <laughs> They're going to end up in jail? <laughs> Road to prison? The pipeline to prison? The, the pipeline to prison when, is when your two-year-old is saying no to you. That's it. Yeah, right. I mean, um, this isn't the beginning of juvenile delinquency. It is a normal part of growing up. And there are ways to manage that that don't have anything to do with punishment. Okay. Right. And, and um, the thing that parents try to do is they, they try to punish early and often, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they try to get in there like right away. And um, you, you mentioned, you know, spoiling the infant because, you know, the baby's crying. And so you keep going in there to, to, to right. soothe the baby. No, babies cry because that's the only form of communication that they have. If they are tired or wet or uncomfortable, or, or hungry, or they need something, the right. only way that they have to let you know that is to cry. That you're not going to spoil them by soothing them and teaching them, you know, and, and helping them meet their needs. Right. Um, they don't know how to soothe themselves. Right. So your, your, your job over that first year or so is to teach them how to soothe themselves. That's right. About the time that you were born, maybe a few years later, no, it was a little after you were born, um, there was a famous pediatrician at Harvard named Burton White, and he wrote this article that you can't spoil an infant. They just don't have the cognitive mechanisms to right. take advantage of an adult. They cry simply because they need something. They might need food. They might need a new diaper. They might just need to be held for a while. Mm-hmm. But they're not trying to manipulate you. But yet we still have parents. Now, that was in the 80s that that book was written. Um, late 70s and early, yeah, late 70s and early 80s. Burton White said, you can't spoil an infant. We have parents coming in and say, well, gee, that baby's just trying to take advantage of us. He's, he's trying to get our attention. Right. Yeah, the baby is trying to get your attention because the baby needs something. Right. The only way they can let you know that is by crying. Okay. So they're not trying to manipulate you. They can't manipulate you. They, and you're not going to spoil the infant by tending to him. Right. It's the same thing with the, t- with the terrible twos or threes. Parents interpret that as defiance. That's not defiance. That's right. the first time that this child is going to declare their independence. Right. What they're saying to you is, no, it's okay. I can do this myself. Right. You know, they couldn't do that at one. But at right. three, they can say, no, I can do this myself. Right. Um, it's, you know, what, wasn't it one of the Sesame Street characters mm-hmm. was, was about that? Uh, no, right. I can do it myself, uh, Elmo or something. Um, and it's a declaration of independence. It's not defiance. It's right. not. It's not the. I love your phrase. It's not the pipeline to prison. Um, right. This is just kids saying, "I'm becoming independent." They're going to do that again right. when they hit puberty. There's going to be another declaration of independence. But again, it's not because they're trying to conquer or defeat or defy or be disobedient. It's they're becoming independent. So um, that's that's how you have to. We have to reframe. We have to rethink. Um, our approach to these things. Absolutely. So when we think, you know, why do we reach for punishment? We do it because we think it works. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but, but I think we should pause and think, does it really, you know, does it really work? Um, Mm -hmm. It it only works under very specific certain circumstances when you can be consistent and um, immediate and, um, and it's done in a way that, um, you know, where there's no way the behavior can happen. I mean, it, there's so many variables. It, it's it's um, it, it's not even worth going into opportunities or situations wherein punishment would be the most ideal 
um, scenario. Right. So, you know, we reach for it because we think it works, but it, but it doesn't really. Right. You know, Bernie, there was a, there's a big debate about spanking. We're going to talk about spanking, but there was a thing years ago that said, well, you shouldn't, you should never spank a child after the age of five. Was that what it was? Something like that. Yeah. Right. Three or five. But I don't like, I don't like spanking. Um, um, but I think what we're saying is punishment tends to work better with very young children. Right. It, it works less and less and less well as children get older. And spanking, I think, is a good. Who would spank a fifteen-year-old? You know, we've seen but, those families, though. But, and it's called abuse. You know, then now you're you're boarding on abuse. But but there are many people who want to. You know, they want to spank teenagers. But it works less. Punishments work less and less well yeah. as children get older. You, it, we, we have to come up with something else. You start hitting a teenager, mm-hmm. and that's 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 a dangerous game. Okay, right. I'm not going to end well for anybody. Right. So we believe that it works, but it only works if it's immediate and consistent. And most of us can't be that. Okay. But the the larger question and the question we want to pursue in subsequent um, sessions in the next three sessions is: Do you want obedience or do you want self regulation? Right. You know, yeah. your obligation as a parent is not just to create obedience. M- many people feel that that's their job, that, that I, as a parent, I'm supposed to have, uh, I'm supposed to make my children obedient. Partly, yes, you want them to do what, what you ask them to do. But more than obedience, I think most of us are after self-regulation. Right. I think that's really what we want. Our, when you talk to parents, they'll say that. They'll say, well, I want my child to want to go to school, to want to do well, to want to do well in sports. What they're saying is, I want my child to be able to self-regulate, to, right. to control his or her own emotions. Right. And, if, and if your goal is self-regulation, there are many other kinds of approaches besides punishment that um, you should consider. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we get the question, you know, how, how do I get my, my kid or my, my student or something to stop a behavior? Right. Our first question that we ask the, the, the person, the parent or the teacher is, you know, how do you want to spend your time? Do you want to, do you want to spend your time punishing or finding new ways to, right. to um, punish the child? Or do you want to find ways to help them learn self-regulation or, or how to, you know, make appropriate decisions and choices and things like that. And as you said, that's what we're going to be getting into over the next few weeks. And that's what you meant way back at the beginning of this, when you talk about discipline, right. you're talking about how do you want to spend your time? And I think most parents would say, I want to spend my time teaching my child right. how to regulate their emotions, how to do the right thing, and that they can do this themselves, whether I'm present or not. And I think that's what most parents are after. And that's where we want to go over the next uh, couple of, uh, over the next three weeks is talk about what else can you do besides reach for punishment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. With that, that's in, that's it for today until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.